And so the first thing I want to attack is where does evil come from? 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world. Now we can just stop right there. When Adam and Eve committed high treason against God, there was something that happened in this world where God's authority and God's power without people like us being here was removed and God no longer could just come in and do what he wanted because what he created was given to another entity. And what it says right here is, is the one who is the God of this world is Satan. Now look at what the God of this world has done. He has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the, who is the exact likeness of God. And so we see who's the God of this world? Satan. Right? And as long as Satan is the God of this world, bad, evil things are going to happen. There's nothing we can do about that. But what we can do, we're going to look at some solutions tonight, is we can take our position as the righteous ones and believe God for change to come, and that is a starting point. Amen? And so we have to look at, the, look at this, John 10, 10. It says this, the thief's purpose. <laughs> and so it begins to tell us what the thief which is the God of this world, which is Satan, he goes in and Jesus begins to explain to us what his purpose is, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now listen, when bad things happen in this world, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is to be mad at God. When evil happens in this world, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is to be mad at God. He's not responsible for bad things. He's not responsible for the loss of life. He's not responsible for death. He's not responsible for confusion. He's not responsible for pain and for hurt. That all starts and comes from the devil. And the Bible says his purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, but my purpose is to come, to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now look at this. Ephesians 6.12 says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What does that mean? The person sitting next to you, to your left and to your right, your struggle's not with them. But who is our struggle with? It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So that begins to paint a picture. I'm not supposed to be mad at you and you're not supposed to be mad at me because my struggle's not with you and your struggle's not with me. I'm supposed to be upset with the one who's causing this and that is the devil, the authorities and the rulers of this hair. Right? Y'all see that? From the word of God, I'll read it again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of the evil, of evil in the heavenly realms. So let me show you this. If it's happening on a spiritual level, the only way we can fix it is on a spiritual level. Now, listen, when I was in high school and I was in junior high, we didn't have social media, and I know that's a shock to you guys. I remember in 1999 when I got my first cell phone and was the size of my computer. <laughs> 
I mean, it was just giant. It lasted like three hours and then it died. But I was really the cool kid because I was the first one to get it. And we had something called T9 Text, which y'all don't know anything about because you got fantastic touch screens that has a whole keyboard. But T9 Text means I had to push a button three times if I wanted to get to one letter. So in order to spell you, I had to push a button six times to get Y-O-U instead of pushing it three times like you guys. You don't even know the struggle, right? T9 text. It actually made us really fast at text, and I learned the alphabet really quick through my cell phone. It was fantastic. But today, almost every single one of you has a cell phone, and I would bet that most of you have some sort of access to social media. And because of that, politics is not hidden from you, but it's exposed. It's out in front of you, and if you get on TikTok, and you get on Instagram, and you get on Facebook, right now, everybody is saying, where's the solution gonna come from? Where's the solution gonna come from? And what are they saying? Our politicians, it's gonna come from D.C., it's gonna come from D.C. It can't come from D.C. because it's not a natural problem. It's a spiritual problem. They can make laws and they can pass legislation and they can do all that and they should. But guess what? As long as there's evil people who want to do evil, they will find a way to do evil things. Because this is not a natural thing. This is a supernatural thing. So what has to happen is the church, which is you. Everyone say me. And we must find our place and we must rise up and we must fight against this. And the way we fight against it is spiritual because it's not a natural fight. Now, number one, and this is going to be real brief tonight, but I believe it's going to help you. The first thing you can do, which is a lie that the devil loves to tell you is not powerful and not effective. The first thing you can do is pray. And I'm going to hit this one head on because I see it being attacked a lot. Because when tragedies happen, a lot of people put prayer and thoughts, Right? And people say, well, your prayer and your thoughts aren't doing anything, but your prayers are powerful. And your prayers do something. Amen? But you have to believe that your prayers are powerful. Listen to the scripture, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now look at this. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers are both powerful and effective. Not just mine, because I'm preacher Bob. No, your prayers, because you belong to God, are powerful and effective. The moment you give your life to him, you are made righteous, right? And any person in this room can pray because all prayer is, is a conversation to God. That's all it is. It's you talking to him like you would talk to me. And the first thing we should do when stuff like this happens is we should talk to God about it. Because when you talk to God about things like this, you're making something that is powerful and effective available to everybody else. Amen. Right? And so what we have to understand is prayer is our first step because remember that scripture that we just read. It says that the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, has put blinders, right, on the people of this world to keep them from seeing the answer. 
And so if he's done that spiritually and he's put blinders on people, the first thing we have to do is we have to remove those blinders off their eyes. And the best way to do that is to pray for them. Because listen, you can share Jesus Christ with somebody, but if the devil's put blinders on their eyes, they're never going to see. Because that's what it says. They will not see the light of the glorious gospel as long as those blinders are on their eyes. So the first step we have to do, listen, if people who belong to the devil are the ones that are doing evil things, how do we stop that? We have to have less people serving the devil. And the less people we have serving the devil, the less evil things will happen. It's a very simple equation, right? The more evil people you have, the more evil things happen. The more good people you have, the more good things happen. How do we become good? We looked at it last week, two weeks ago. We get a heart change. Y'all remember the apple with the avocado seed on the inside of it? Right? Remember when that apple, when the seed on the inside was changed, it could no longer produce bad fruit. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? And so we have to get people's hearts to change, and when their hearts change, they'll stop doing evil things, and they'll start doing good things, because the evil heart has been taken out of them, and they can no longer produce bad fruit. But in order for that to happen, we have to pray first. You know, Jimmy, you're just sitting right there, and you look so wonderful, so come on up here. Yeah, you. Put this on. Can you see anything? Yeah, look at them. I brought another one just in case. Let's see, Tori. <laughs> Xavier, come on. Xavier, come up here. Jimmy, you look good. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, there's something on there. Don't worry. All right. Can you see anything, Xavier? All right, good. <clears throat> now, I know tonight is heavy, but if you'll listen, God is going to help us to help this world. Did you all hear what I just said? God is going to help us to help this world, right? Now, these two have blindfolds on. They're just like people who don't belong to God, who the God of this world has blinded the hearts of them to keep them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel. Now, if I told Jimmy to run to the back of this room with this blindfold on, don't you know he'd probably hurt himself and maybe even hurt some people along the way? Why? Because he can't see. If I asked Xavier to go over to, well, you know, where's the, panda, the, the trash panda stadium over there? If I said, you know, I'll meet you at the trash panda stadium, just go across 565 and I'll meet you over there and, you know, we're going to watch a trash panda game and we're going to have corn dogs together. <laughs> I don't know if you like corn dogs. Do you think you'd be able to cross 565 with that mask on? Okay, you tripping hard, bro. <laughs> He's not crossing 565. You know what's going to happen if he tries to cross a highway with that on? He's going to get hurt, and other people are going to get hurt. Why? Because he's got blinders on. And because he can't see, he's going to do something that he shouldn't be doing, and then a car, to avoid hitting him, is going to hit somebody else, and someone's going to die, someone's going to get hurt, he's probably going to die, he's probably going to get hurt, and there's going to be a lot of loss of life simply because he cannot see. 
Look, this is the problem with the world right now. The devil, who's the God of this world, has put blinders on the hearts of people. They cannot see the good news. Therefore, they cannot receive Jesus. Therefore, all they know how to do is the evil that's in their hearts. But we as the church, the first thing we must do is pray for them. And as we pray for them, then God is able to come in and take off these blinders. Now if I ask Jimmy to go to the back of the room, he can get there safely. He's not going to hurt himself, and he's not going to hurt you. Right? And it's the same with Xavier. If we pray for him, everyone stretch out your hands because he needs it. Father, we pray for Xavier because we know he needs Jesus. Hallelujah. And as we pray for him, look, the blinders come off. And now that the blinders are off, he can meet me at Trash Panda Stadium. It might take him longer to get there because he's not driving yet. He will be soon. I can drive where I can meet him there. But the point is he can get there safely. He doesn't hurt himself and he doesn't hurt anyone else. Why? Because now he can see. Did you know your circle, thank you guys, you can sit down. Your friends that you go to school with, before you ever invite them to church, you should be praying for them. How many of you have prayed for your friends that you hang out with? How many of you, well, thank you, yes, thank you. <laughs> put your, don't put it up bold, man. Be proud of that, hallelujah. We should be praying for the people we go to school with. We should be praying for our communities. We should be praying for our teachers. We should be praying for our students because as we pray for them, we're giving God the, look at what we just talked about, right? Remember, he's not the God of this world, but through you, he has access to this world. If you want God in your school, then you bring him there and you do it through prayer. Right? If you want God and our politicians, you bring him there and you start by doing it through prayer. You pray for these people and you pray for these people and as you're doing it, God begins to work on their hearts and it's simply because before you ever invited him to church, before I ever talked to him and got on a stage and screamed at him, you were praying for him and God was working on their heart. And so when you do invite him to church, the Holy Spirit, who's way more powerful than you and way more powerful than me, has already been tugging on their heart. So when you say, go to Ablaze Youth Ministries with me, they don't know why, but they say yes, and it's because you have been praying. Prayer is powerful. And I promise you this, teenagers are not praying like they should be. And I'm challenging myself. We've got to step up. Let's just be honest. How many of you are tired of seeing this stuff in the news? Put your hand up if you are. You remember back in Christmas? And don't let the world get your focus on, on something that it's not. Because right now it's on guns. But I remember five months ago, a guy took a car to a parade and ran over like 40 people and killed 20. Guns is just the tool that was used in this specific example to do something evil. If it's not guns, it'll be a bomb. If it's not a bomb, it'll be a car. If it's not a car, it'll be a knife. How do we fix that? We pray. We ask God, take the blinders. And this is all you have to do. Your circle of friends, every single one of them, you know their name. God knows their name. At night, begin to pray this. Father, I pray that you take the blinders off their eyes so they can see you. That's all you got to do. And the Bible says that that prayer is powerful and effective. And this is where we start. Because remember, 
I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. I'm not wrestling over here with David. I'm wrestling against the authorities and the powers of this realm, which the devil controls. And if they're doing something spiritual and spiritually they're inspiring people to do evil things, then I must do something spiritual to inspire something good. Amen. Look at the Bible says you don't conquer evil by doing evil, but you conquer evil by doing good. What is good? Prayer is good. Right? And as we start praying, we begin to influence people. I don't know if you've ever asked somebody to church and they said no. My question would be, did you pray for them before you invited them? Right? And then if they say no, what do you do? Keep inviting them. Now listen, I don't care about the numbers of Ablaze Youth Ministry. I'm not in competition with any other church, but I am in direct competition with the devil. I wanna steal as many people from his kingdom as possible because I know the more that I steal, the more people God can influence, the more good's gonna happen in this world. But just like God, I can't do this by myself. He's raising up an army. And an army has to understand what have they been created for? Right? We are a consuming army. We're not called necessarily to conquer, but we are supposed to take territory from the devil. God needs us to rise up and take our place. And it starts with prayer. Look at this. Acts 26, 18 says, open their eyes. Why? So they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And then they'll receive forgiveness for their sins and they may be placed and they find their place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Help them find their place. Help them be set apart. Begin to pray for them and lift them up. Yes, I've been praying for those families because as a dad, I can't even imagine not hugging one of my boys. I can't imagine what that would be like. And so I've been praying for those families and yes, it grieves my heart and yes, it hurts my heart. But think about this. Mm. And I was thinking about this today when I was praying. That individual with that evil in their heart that walked into that, sh that school and shot it up. What if somebody would have got him saved the week before that? That man that drove that car through that parade. What if somebody would have got him saved? Because look at this, this is what the scriptures tell us. Look, Luke 6, 43 and 45, and we read it two weeks ago. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruits. Figs can never be gathered from a thorn bush, and grapes can't be picked from a bramble bush. A good person, look at this, produces good things from the treasure of a good heart, and an evil, produce, an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of their heart. And so if Jesus could have got a hold of them, oh, I pray that you're getting this. If, he could, if Jesus, by you, could have got a hold of somebody and radically changed their life, then the evil things that were in their heart to do would have been removed from them because Ezekiel says he'll place a new heart on the inside of them. And when he puts that new heart, they no longer have that desire to do those evil things because Jesus changes people. Amen. 
And when Jesus changes, this is the solution. We need more of him. More of him in our schools, more of him in our workplaces, more of him in our houses. Because the more of him we have in this world, the more good things will happen. Everyone say Jesus is the solution. See, lots of times we look at these people. I remember when I was at Bible school and they interrupted our class and they pulled us all into a giant auditorium and there was a thousand of us in there. And, and we were in class being taught apologetics, which is the defense of the gospel. And they, stand, they stop the class and they pull us in and they say, okay, students, we have to pray. And the reason we have to pray is because somebody just flew a plane into the Twin Towers. I thought to myself, I wonder who's been praying for those people. That laborers would come across their path and they would have a chance to receive Jesus. So that desire, whoever did it, to crash a plane into a building, that desire would be removed from them because the devil would no longer be their father, but instead they could be adopted into a new family. And instead of responding to the hate that's filled their hearts because they belong to Satan, they would now respond to the love of God that fills their hearts. Can you all see what the answer is? And as I was praying about this today, I was fighting with the Lord, wrestling with the Lord over this. Because I don't want to talk about this stuff because it gets like this real heavy. But at the same time, I feel a sense of obligation to counter, a sense of responsibility to counter the nonsense you hear all day long that points you in the wrong direction. Everyone say, I'll pray. Matthew 12, 35 says, a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. Here's the solution, guys. We gotta let Jesus change hearts. We gotta let Jesus change hearts. And the more we let Jesus change hearts from evil to good, the less evil you'll see in this world. It's that simple. I know everybody tries to make it real complicated. We need this to happen, we need that to happen. And there's a lot of good things that can happen in the natural, but this is the solution. Because I guarantee you, evil people will always find ways to do evil things. I mean, I know you go to high school, some of you go to junior high, but there's drugs that are illegal that you could find at high school right now. You know, those of you that drive, we have these little square signs that are black and white. And guess what they have on them? Speed limit. And guess how many drivers break that law every single day? What's my point? Laws don't fix things. In some scenarios, they make it harder to do things. But last and change comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? So first we gotta pray, everyone say I'll pray. The next thing we gotta do is we gotta share. 
you gotta share. I don't go to school. I can't share Jesus with your classmates. Every day, share Jesus with somebody. I've been doing this at the drive-thru. People have been looking at me all sorts of strange. <laughs> Hand me my cheeseburger. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> and they just close the drive-thru window. <laughs> Dang it, now I gotta order fries. You know, go back around. I mean, that's the only people, you know, because most of the people I hope I work with are saved, like Wesley and Cody and Chad. And, you know, I work at the church, so everyone I work with believes in Jesus Christ. So I gotta find other places to harvest, but I bet you you guys go to school with a bunch of people that don't believe in Jesus. They want to even if they don't know it. And they're just waiting for somebody to share so their heart can be changed. Romans 10, I'm gonna kinda quote it, you can put it up if you want, verses 14 through 17, but it talks about this, how will one believe if they don't hear and how can they hear unless someone tells them? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so we have to understand that in order for people to believe in Jesus Christ, they must first hear about Jesus Christ. And it's impossible for somebody to hear about Jesus Christ if nobody's talking about him. I'll say that again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And here in Romans 10, 17, now if you back it up to verses 9 and 10, it talks about Romans' road to salvation. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. And then it goes in right into verse 14. But how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can someone tell them unless they're sent? Guess what? You have been sent to your school. You have been sent into society. You're supposed to be a beacon of light that's not ashamed of the gospel, but proud of the gospel. Just like the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God, what? Even unto salvation. The power of God that lives in you as you share the gospel can save somebody's life. And if you save their life, it's just like throwing a rock into a pond. It ripples out how many lives will be influenced from there. How many lives can be influenced from there? Come on, guys, when I first moved here all these years ago, just right down the street at Discovery Middle School, a kid walked up to another kid and shot him in the head. At Discovery Middle School in Madison, Alabama. What if somebody would have got him saved before he did that? What if he would have had some good friends around him that would have talked him out of that and talked him into Jesus? Everybody say, I have to share. 2 Corinthians 5.18 talks about how we're ministers of reconciliation and what the word reconciliation means to restore relationships between God and humanity. You've been called to reconcile others back to him. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, the veil that separated mankind from God has been written to. Jesus has done his part. Now it's up to our part to take people and bring them to him. And the way you do that is by sharing. I challenge you tonight to begin to share Jesus with your friends. Don't be concerned. You can save somebody's life. And like I just said, once that life is saved, what's the ripple effect from that? 
Maybe they start coming to church and then they bring mom and dad and they get saved. And maybe mom and dad bring their brothers and sisters, the aunts and the uncles, and they get saved. You don't know what the ripple effect is. But I know this, if we do nothing, the negative ripple effect is just as bad. Two things that we can do that are powerful. Pray and share. Pray and share. Pray and share. 